two lit chicks, book bites, Julia and Ed. Today we are back with Catherine Faulkner again, author of The Other Mothers, and if you want to listen to our full interview with her and the books that changed her life, please go back to Monday's episode, and uh, there's lots lots of wonderful things to, to think about in that podcast. But today we're going to talk to Catherine about writing and what her best writing advice is for new writers or even people who have, who have a couple books under their belt. Uh, so tell us, Catherine, what, what is your advice? Well... Um, writing is hard. So one of my pieces of advice would be to expect it to be hard sometimes and not give up and keep going and keep the Mm -hmm. faith. That is hugely important. Um, there'll be a million reasons why you can't write your book. You don't have time. It's too hard. You're embarrassed to call yourself a writer. You think it's not working. No one will ever want to read it anyway. Blah, 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 blah. And like all those little voices will just be like, blah, 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 all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, so like cutting them all dead and putting your headphones on and getting past it and just writing your book is really, that's actually half the battle, I would say. Um, I think it's very important to think about your reader all the time um, and take your ego out of it. I think that was something I learned when I trained as a journalist, but that's still very important when you're writing creatively, even though it's kind of about you, it's kind of not about you really. If you're trying to be published, you need to write. I mean, I try and write books that I would love to read that would absorb me and that I would stay up late at night reading. That's what I want to give to people because that is what I love about reading is when you're totally immersed and you can't put something down. And that's why I love crime thrillers and psychological fiction suspense thrillers whatever you want to call them so and in order to achieve that you have to keep it interesting and you have to not be self-indulgent and you have to sometimes kill your darlings as the phrase goes Mm. and kind of make sure that you're keeping your reader interested so I think some of some of the best advice is to you don't need to think about it so much in the beginning when you're kind of doing your first draft but when you but I think the best writing is rewriting Mm-hmm. And you have to, I mean, for me, my books are made in the edit and you, when you go back and you kind of reverse engineer them to really get the pace right, hit the right twists at the right point and kind of make it really work for the reader and think, think like a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping your reader in mind is really important. Um, I think also that as you go on uh, with being a writer, particularly if you're maybe you've had a book published and you're, you know, you're taking it more seriously and you're being invited on lovely podcasts and uh, (laughs) asked to write articles and do other things and go to festivals. All of that's great. But what's really important is actually to keep your writing life, kind of protect it, keep the joy alive. Mm -hmm. When it's just you and your laptop and you're writing a story, try and not let that become infected by other things. Try and carve out that space where it's just you doing that and you're not doing loads of other things, admin, emails, etc. Try and carve those out into other bits of time. But when you're writing, try and keep that relationship with your writing where it's just you and the page. No one else is going to read it. Don't think about it. I mean, I say think about your reader. That's kind of in the edit. But when it's, I think you have to keep the joy of writing, whatever that means to you. Well, it's almost like the, like the first edit, the first draft is for you. Yeah, in a way, yeah. I think the first draft is you understanding what the story is. And that can only come from you. And it's you drawing it out of yourself and discovering it. And then the editing is more about making it work for the reader. 
That's how I see it anyway. That's kind of how I approach it. So your books have been classified as uh, mum noir. Uh, classified. You tell- <laughs> <laughs> classified. You're just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> classified, yeah. No one's allowed to read them anymore. Um, so it's news uh, to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we suggest everybody reads them. They're brilliant books. But tell us a little bit about that sort of category and, and what you think are the, the hallmarks uh, of, of being in that category. Yeah, the mum noir label is very funny. Um, so the, da- the books about the <laughs> Everyone dark side loves of Everyone loves a label, don't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I just think they're, yeah, I mean, I guess that is that is what they are. Um, but they are, they're psychological fiction that centre women characters and the things that women think about is what they are really. But um, what are the hallmarks of it? Okay, so uh, yes, definitely strong female characters and a focus on the internal lives of women and women's relationships with each other which I think are so fascinating and an endless source of inspiration to me and I particularly love the way that motherhood sometimes distorts those relationships and opens up little cracks in them and that was something particularly in Greenwich Park that was a big preoccupation of mine so Greenwich Park my first novel is all about uh, an anxious pregnant mother called Helen whose life starts to unravel after she strikes up an unlikely friendship with the unpredictable stranger at her, ante- her first antenatal class. And Helen is the sort of person who finds it really difficult to make friends and she kind of clings to Rachel because she kind of is on her own in this antenatal class and doesn't know anyone and she's quite socially anxious, but then she kind of... Um, lives to as her pregnancy goes on and as she finds out more about Rachel she starts trying to pull away from the friendship but finds it very difficult to do so because Rachel's starting to really get her claws into Helen's life I kind of started writing that book with the question how do you unmake a friendship and I just found it really interesting that with romantic relationships there's kind of a rule book you know, if you don't want to be with someone anymore, you can dump them and then they have to just accept that and go away. But that doesn't exist for friendships, particularly friendships between women, which are very, um, I just think they can be very, very complex. And I think sometimes when you realise somebody's not good for you or the right kind of friend, there's no rule book for actually getting rid of that person so in my writer's brain I was kind of thinking what if you couldn't and what's really fun about writing the relationship between Helen and Rachel is that they're two very different women but they do have some similarities so Helen is a very well-to-do quite wealthy woman who but she's very socially anxious and insecure and uh, she's not great in social situations Um, and so she finds friendships quite difficult and she's lonely um, and she's also not very assertive so when Rachel is kind of encroaching closer and closer and Helen's not comfortable with it Helen finds it really hard to assert herself and just say no and she also doubts her own judgment so when she's and and because of that when she's thinking oh there's something a bit off about this woman she doesn't Mm -hmm. trust herself that she's right about that enough to act on it so all of that kind of her kind of very female psychology plays into what goes wrong with this relationship. Um, whereas Rachel is kind of in some ways the opposite because she doesn't care about what people think of her. So she blunders into social situations. And what's interesting about Rachel is that e- even before she starts really getting involved, she's she's quite a disruptive presence in Helen's very rarefied social circle just by being not from there, just from being from a different socioeconomic background and just making kind of, just by turning up at a party and saying slightly the wrong thing, she's like really disruptive, which I found Mm. really fun. Um, So I kind of like those little sort of, 
I, I like the interactions between women, the friendships between women, some of the ways that they go wrong. Um, well, the psychological play, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Because women's friendships are very psychological. They are, and then when you're pregnant, it suddenly changes everything because you mm. represent, you become a symbol of something which might be very difficult for some women, and then through no fault of your own, you become hard for them to be around, and that's really hard. Or sometimes you that's not the case for another friend of yours but that friend of yours might be actually secretly really disappointed that you're pregnant because it kind of like they're not there yet and they want you to still be like going out with them to bars and like having a different kind of life and then you're not you're not going to be the same friend to them once this baby comes along and that's hard and then suddenly that leaves you feeling sometimes a bit lonely and adrift from the women in your life and so you become quite keen actually to make new friends who share your excitement and your the moment that you're in and that's how I got the idea for this kind of antenatal class setup of this friendship that goes wrong because I think you're very inclined to make those friendships quite quickly like oh there's somebody like me who's going through the same thing and I and I feel a bit lonely and un- anxious and unsure about it so I'll make this friend and then actually I was the whole way through my antenatal classes. I was basically thinking, <laughs> what if this went horribly wrong? What if these people were real weirdos? Um, and um, so I just thought all of that was kind of fascinating. And then with my second novel, The Other Mothers, is kind of all about the um, friendship at the playgroup gates that goes horribly wrong, I guess. So yeah. uh, that's, again, another um, a kind of exploration of the way in which female relationships entangle with motherhood and that distorts them in interesting ways. I'm expecting I'm expecting the next one to be about a PTA. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> What's the next thing? <laughs> oh, man. But there's a really great book called Friendaholic by Elizabeth Day that you might uh, like where she very no, much... I love Elizabeth Day, so I'll definitely read it. Friendaholic. Yeah, Friendaholic, yeah. And she talks about these questions like, how do you walk away from a friendship that's no longer serving you and, mm. and all this kind of stuff. So it's an it's a interesting book. I'm wondering, this is a, sort of a bit of a kind of devil's advocate question, or a bit of a cheeky question. I mean, a, a lot of those themes you, you just talked about, um, relationships between women and how you get how you get rid of her friends, are separate from the mum angle. And if you're calling it mum noir, I guess, I mean, I mean, in, in other mothers, everyone has kids. I don't think it's a single character you meet who doesn't have kids. That might be wrong. Um, is there a danger with labelling these things mum noir that you're kind of missing out on um a lot of people who don't have kids who will then say oh that's not for me or do you think these are universal things to everyone even people who don't choose to have children or is it a bit it's a bit of a lazy label is, yeah is it's I'm not saying. my label <laughs> no. Yeah, no i'm not saying it's your well, label it's yeah. like no. chiclet it's like chiclet yeah yeah you know? it's like whatever um there's growing numbers of women who are choosing not to have kids but they they will surely be fascinated in these themes of yeah know, probably because of all the reasons i set out in my books i mean yeah <laughs> they're like thank god <laughs> yeah. yeah they're like this is a cautionary tale guys um no i think that is a really important and interesting question and i guess that in my had like partly I guess my last few years have been quite defined by motherhood I guess it preoccupies me and I can only write my stories but at the same time I think that you are right and my daughter my for example my sister who's like the woman probably in my life that I'm closest to has not got children yet and is not that interested in having children yet partly because the experience of babysitting mine I suspect (laughs) but um she um you know and but I think that he uh, unfortunately (laughs) because of what it means to be a woman even if you don't want to be a mother and you have no interest in mothering um you have a relationship with motherhood because you have to define yourself against it 
So you are, you know, I think that you're, and you're going to be confronted by motherhood. You know, even if I was the same age that I am and I just never had had children, it wouldn't change the fact that all my friends have. And so I think that the experience of motherhood is sufficiently universal and relatable that, I mean, I actually spoke to somebody um, last week for a podcast who ha- didn't have children of her own, um, but she found my books really fascinating. And she's like, yeah, I really vindicated my decision to stay out of all of that. <laughs> but she said, crucially, she said, I recognized all the characters, you know, like I, I recognized those women. Um, mm. And so it was really fascinating to me. So I don't think it's like, I don't think that you're not going to get something out of my books yeah. if you're not interested in motherhood because I think it's about the characters it's about the women and and then the other thing is is about what the, what we're doing when we're reading books is like are we just looking for versions of ourselves like I don't think we always are um I think we're just looking for interesting stories um I was actually for example another th- example of it is set in Greenwich Park in Greenwich Park um I actually initially when I was writing Greenwich Park I and I knew it was set in London but I anonymized kind of which part of London it was that I was writing about this neighborhood in my first draft and I wrote it when I was on the Faber Academy course and um, people were kind of guessing where in London I'd set it because I didn't say and then one of them said well I really recognize the market that was Greenwich Market and then my course tutor said, well, why don't, why didn't you say that it was Greenwich if that's what you had been thinking about when you were writing it? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just thought maybe it put people off if they didn't know what Greenwich was or didn't know where it was. And, and my course tutor really strongly encouraged me to be specific about where it was that I was writing about. And she said, no, set it in Greenwich because if you don't lo- know London or you're not from London, living in the UK, you probably still have a relationship with London, you know, like yeah. it's, it's in your, ether it's in your it's in your kind of brain experience even if you absolutely hate it and you never ever want to go there um it doesn't mean that you're not gonna want to read about this vile bunch of people who who's, get their comeuppance you know who live in london and these beautiful houses in fact even more so might even be more attractive to you um and so um yeah that i think you can good just good course you to advice because it's it was and then it ended up being park. called greenwich park which is quite <laughs> funny because i initially had like anonymized where it was even where it was even set but yeah Well, I think that's all really fascinating stuff. And uh, thank you so much for chatting to us and telling us all about your writing advice. And uh, we'll see you on Friday for the quiz. Can you give us a little... Oh, no, you don't know yet. I was going to say give us a hint about what it's about, but you don't know yet, so never mind. No, I don't. I'm going to work that out. Mum Noir. Mum Noir. Yeah. Maybe it should be Mum Noir. I'll have a think about how I can do it. Okay. Well, great chatting to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Two Lit Chicks is a podcast about books that change lives. Find us on all major podcast platforms or go to our website at twolitchicks.org. Thanks for listening.